Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> I always think it's amazing. You guys clap, and I haven't said a word yet. This is, this is good news for me. Um, hope you're doing well this summer. Um, I'm a part of a summer series. We're doing it all through the summer. Um, and we're all, um, we've all been asked by Pastor Brad to talk about something that's been especially meaning for us in our lives, or particularly in our life right now. And I want to share with you today a decision that my wife and I made at the very beginning of the pandemic that has paid great dividends. And I'm hoping if, if not an insight, it's a reminder for you this morning as you walk out of these doors and live your life as well. Um, so I want to start my talk very random. It's going to feel very random. You've been warned, okay? I would like to take you very quickly on a virtual tour of some of the most beautiful fountains around the world. Okay? Would you like that? Sure, Tim. Okay, I will. All right. So um, these are just photographs, but I've, I've visited most of these. They're kind of really, really, really cool. So let's see if we can get this started. Yeah, this is great. This is the Moonlight Rainbow Fountain in Seoul, Korea. Isn't that beautiful? Especially with the lights, water just flowing uh, in a beautiful way into this uh, reservoir. Um, that's in Seoul, Korea. And then this one's in Sydney, Australia. Isn't that gorgeous? That's the Archibald Fountain, the water flow up, and of course the lights follow the water, just gorgeous, certainly a tourist attraction in Sydney. Um, and then we have the Fountain of Wealth. Singapore is all about commerce, you know that. I've been to Singapore several times, and I love seeing this work of art. It is a work of art. Um, next we have the Buckingham Fountain in Chicago, Illinois, a little closer to home. Uh, maybe some of you have been to this one, but it's a gorgeous set of fountains around, um, lovely looking there. This is the Dubai fountain. Now, I have been through Dubai. I've never been to it to see this fountain, but this is an aerial view. Isn't that gorgeous? Looking down and seeing the water just flowing upward and outward there. Um, whoops. And then the Palace of Versailles in France. I don't know if you've been to Versailles. It's just gorgeous. That's just a work of art that's been around for a very, very, very long time. Golden statues, etc. cetera. Um, and then, some of you have probably been here, the Bellagio Hotel fountain. Uh, but you know, if you've been to Las Vegas, this is a sight to see at a certain time when the sun has gone down, the fountains just begin leaping, and it's just a gorgeous view. This is an aerial view that's just absolutely beautiful. Um, and then there's one a little closer to home, like right here on our property. We have the, um, <laughs> the Blue Lagoon. We're going to call this the Blue Lagoon, okay? It's right outside one of our entrances. I'm sure that many of you have taken snapshots of this one. Um, in all seriousness, you, you know this, fountains are tourist attractions. Maybe not for you, but for millions of people around the world, they'll travel somewhere on vacation and they'll find a fountain and they'll take pictures of it. They're attractive, they're inspiring. I remember growing up for most of the first 16 years of my life in Cincinnati, Ohio. And if you've ever been there and you've ever been downtown, there is Fountain Square. It's kind of known in Cincinnati. And I remember one afternoon, I think I was nine years old, my parents took the three of us kids downtown, we spent the afternoon downtown, and we walked upon Fountain Square. And I remember even as a nine-year-old being inspired by this beautiful fountain, the statue and the water flowing, but I was equally mesmerized by the crowd that was there. I mean, there was a throng of people, look, just gazing at the water, looking at its beauty, taking pictures with real cameras, not iPhones back then, um, and then, you know, throwing quarters and dimes and nickels into the pond where you make a wish and so forth. It was amazing. Now, we all know fountains are beautiful. 
Connected to every fountain is something we rarely, if ever, talk about, but they're always there. They're drains, right? I know this is silly. We don't talk about drains, but you've got drains in your house. You've got drains in the kitchen sink, the bathroom sinks, the shower, the toilet. Drains are always wherever water is, and drains are, you know, that part that's usually, I don't know, a little round stainless steel plate with holes in it that sucks the water down through the pipes and usually into sewage. We don't talk about that. I share with you today about fountains and drains because I think it's the best set of words to describe how people grow and evolve. I think as we age through life, and we're all aging, right? I know it's hard for you to believe, but I am aging. Um, we tend to become more of a fountain or a drain. Now, let me, let me elaborate a little bit. Um, I believe what Marcus Buckingham said years ago. As we grow older, we don't fundamentally change. We become more of who we already are. Can I say that again? As we age, we don't fundamentally change. We just become more of who we already are. Haven't you known anybody that about, I don't know, 45 years old, they're a little bit grouchy. By 85, they're a grumpy old man. Do you know people like that? You go, how did he do that? Well, he just didn't, he just let himself go. And by the, by the time you're 85, you don't even care. I don't care that I'm grumpy. Bring me my coffee. You know, that sort of thing. But would you not agree? You just grow into, or may I use the verb evolve into, if you're not careful, to what you already are. So if you're a bit of a fountain person, you're even more of a fountain. My mother-in-law is 89 years old. She is the most loving person. I love to hug her and kiss her, and she just... She's just an amazing person. She's always been that way. She's more so there. But I also know older people that, like I just said, they're just more of this awful mess that was created through the decades of their life. So I guess I want to start right at the outset by asking you, what are you becoming? More of a fountain or more of a drain? <laughs> Now, I know these are harsh words, but don't we use these terms, this, these, this language, when we describe people? We do. We say, uh, uh, well, I just told you, fountains are upward and outward, usually, right? It's water flowing upward and outward, okay? If you want to write that down, you can. Drains are usually downward and inward, right? Usually. And we use these terms. We say people are up. Boy, that Nancy, she's always, Nancy's always up. She's always up. Now, we don't mean that literally. Nancy does lie down and go to sleep. But we mean outlook-wise, perspective-wise. Nancy's up. And, and we use the word out. Nancy's always looking out, looking out for others. Don't we use that term? All I'm saying is we seem to know by the very language we use how to describe what's going on inside. Nancy's looking out word for others, at others. She's up in her attitudes and her perspective. And then, don't we use the word drain? Boy, that was a draining day. Have you not had a draining day or two throughout the pandemic? I have. That Bob. Bob is a draining person. He's always talking about himself. So I'm just asking. Maybe you're not one extreme or the other. You're probably not. Few of us are. But we tend to be leaning toward one or the other by default or design. And if you're not careful and live your life by design, meaning intentionally, you'll end up a drain especially in these days. We're still not out of this pandemic, darn it. The protests continue, and they're for a good cause, but it's just there's polarization going on across America. There's pay cuts still going on. It's, 
It's quite crazy. And if you're not careful, what, am I right about saying this? Throughout this, you can just become a drained and draining person. Now, let me use some phrases. I want to do some comparison and contrast to really get clear on what I'm talking about. So check out this screen. Um, there are drain people and there are fountain people. And again, hopefully none of these drain descriptors match you perfectly, but I want you just to be really honest with yourself. You don't have to raise your hand, stand up, or run down front, but I just want you to be honest with yourself as you evaluate these descriptions. So, drain people tend to be discouraging to others. When they open their mouth and they make remarks, they don't try to do anything negative, but they just seem to be pretty much down on things, on life, on people. Fountain people, on the other hand, tend to be encouraging to others. Maybe they don't even think about it by this time. It's just a lane they've chosen early on, and now they just tend to be affirming and complimentary, and they're good finders, not fault finders. Don't we like to be? Don't, aren't we attracted to fountains? Aren't we repulsed by drains? Number two, drained people see the downside and difficulties. Difficulty comes up, well, I knew that was going to happen. There's four things that could go wrong today, you know? And then fountain people see the upside of opportunities. In fact, it may even be the difficulty that becomes the opportunity. I actually think I've met several people that when we went through this pandemic over the last year and a half, they took the interruption and made it an introduction to a whole new way of doing life, doing business, doing relationships. But you've got to be a fountain person to do that, upward and outward, not downward and inward. Three, drained people live with doubts and pessimism. I doubt it. I doubt it. Fountain people, whoops, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Oh, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep control of these hands. Fountain people live by faith and optimism. They're, they tend to see that the glass is half full because they're filling the glass. You hear what I just said? The reason they see the glass is half full is because they're busy filling the glass. These people are busy emptying the glass, draining the glass, if you will. So, number four, uh, drained people are influenced by past failures. So, they seem to be selecting their memories and seem to hold on to the wrong things in their past, not the up things. It's interesting. Uh, fountain people, just the opposite. They're influenced by past achievements. Um, I don't want to, I want to illustrate, but I want to be careful here. Uh, my father just passed away last November at 90 years old. He lived a great life, and we really honored him in San Diego, California at his memorial service. But my sisters and I got together, obviously, afterwards, and we just were reminiscing about life with mom and dad. And I noticed as we were you know, recalling our times, our vacations, boyfriends, girlfriends, conversations, experiences, that my sister... My older sister, who's a wonderful person, just remembered all of the negative stuff about my dad. He didn't do enough. He, wasn't, he doesn't really know how to raise daughters and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and she probably had a great point. I, don't, I remember mom and dad did a great job. And it's not because I have a more accurate memory. I probably have selected to remember the good things. She seems to have filtered out all the good things and remembers the bad things. But isn't it interesting? And I don't think I'm good and she's bad. I'm just saying it's interesting what you hang on to. And I tend to think that fountain people are influenced here and drained people are influenced here. Um, let's do another one. Number five, drained people 
Uh, others feel they don't measure up. When you're around a drained person, you're always, oh, I hope I do it right. I hope he's, he's going to find it if it's wrong. And they're just, they, they just feel like they don't quite measure up. They're never enough for that other person who's a drained person. On the other hand, fountain people, others feel they can reach a big goal. You get around fountain people, you go, I, don't, I didn't think I could do it before, but I talked to him and I think I can do it now. Number six, drained people, they're a source of caution and fear. They often don't want to take a risk because it could go wrong. We could lose. Um, fountain people, uh, source of life and possibilities. Yeah, it's hard right now. They're not in denial, but look at what could happen from all this. Number seven, drained people find problems in every solution. We came up with an idea. Yeah, there's three things that could go wrong with that idea, you know? Uh, and then fountain people find solutions in every problem. I, again, I don't want to sound cheesy. I'm not Zig Ziglar Jr. or Norman Vincent Peale or Robert Schuller here. I'm just saying I see this in people, and you're moving one way or the other. So am I. That's why I'm going to encourage you today to make a decision internally to go, to go the right direction. Let me do one more. Number eight, drained people are driven by memories. Fountain people are driven by dreams. Can I ask you a question? I don't know how old you are, but the older you get, the easier it is to be driven by memories rather than hopes and dreams because you have more life behind you than in front of you. I'm sorry, you can write that down. It's true, okay? But you know what I loved about my dad? When he passed away at 90, he was still dreaming about what he's going to do next. His wife, my mother, had passed away years earlier. I still miss her, but he was still dreaming about what he was going to do next. Don't you love that at 90? So can I ask you a question? If you were to make a list of all your memories and all your dreams, would your memory list be way bigger than your dream list and your hope list? In some ways, it's not just a commentary on your age. It's a commentary on your outlook. You can look back at good or bad, and neither one are, it's not a crime, or you can look forward at all kinds of things that could be coming up. And I'm wanting to nudge you today to either confirm a decision you already made or may make a decision today that let's move this other direction. Let me give you a good illustration of what I'm talking about. Uh, in March of this last year, March of 2020, when the pandemic was really in full swing, and remember, we were all home. They sent us home from work and school and commerce and buying at stores and everything else. And there we were. There was a GM plant in Kokomo, Indiana. Some of you work at GM. GM plant in Kokomo, Indiana that shut down, like many other plants did across the country. And people were fearing layoffs and certainly pay cuts and how we're going to keep the P&L sheet right. And it was just a scary time. Mary Barra, the CEO of GM, decided that while the request for cars was, had gone way down, nobody was buying a new car then, the request for ventilators had gone way up. I mean, you remember these hospitals? We, we, didn't, we didn't have enough ventilators across the country. And in a, a period of weeks, not months or years, in a period of weeks, Mary led that Kokomo plant and, and challenged them to switch from that assembly line making cars to making ventilators. They made 30,000 ventilators in five months. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what you think about Mary Barra as a, a whole, but during that period of time, all those folks in Kokomo were proud that they had worked for a fountain lady, a fountain leader. By the way, if you're a leader in here, meaning a parent, 
a boss, a supervisor, or an employer. If you're a drain person, you're contagiously a drain person, meaning the culture is affected by you, and maybe you don't even know it. People are walking on pins and needles, hoping that you don't catch them in the wrong move or in a mistake, and it's going to affect them. They won't become the best version of themselves. They may become the worst just out of fear. And it's the fear that you unwittingly dispense of by the way you live your life. I don't know you. I'm just saying I've watched this happen. In fact, I have worked in my past. I lead an organization now in Atlanta, Georgia. But I have worked in my past for drains and for fountains. And I can tell you immediately now when I see a person what they tend to be. And again, neither one's criminal. It's just... I'm attracted to fountains. I'm repulsed by drains. So when I was in high school, my senior year, one of my jobs, my senior year, was to work at an ice cream shop, okay? Scoop an ice cream. Me and a bunch of other teenagers. We worked for a drain. He was a good man, Christian man, Mr. Brown. But Mr. Brown was a drain. He was a fault finder. Every time he was in on a shift, he could find something was wrong, something had been broken, something was off. You hope to God he didn't call you out on it in front of the customers. Um, yeah, we called him Mr. Down, not Mr. Brown. Mr. Down's in, Mr. Down's in. <laughs> Mr. Down, Mr. Brown. You know, I mean, it was just, it was terrible. We were a bunch of teenagers. But we all knew. Even though we didn't know what to call it, we all thought, oh, God, I hope he's not on the shift with me today. Isn't that sad? If you're a boss, wouldn't you hate to think your people don't want to be around when you're around? Now, when I graduated from college, I went to work for a fountain. Some of you know his name. I worked for John C. Maxwell, who's a New York Times best-selling author. He's, he's great. John is the same off the stage as he is on the stage. He's, an, he's, he's just a fountain person. When, you, when, when John's in the room and you're part of a meeting, oh my gosh, we're going to come up with three new ideas, maybe four. We're going to laugh a lot. It's going to be energizing. It's life-giving. And we're going to walk out thinking we can change the world by noon on Friday. That's really the truth. You just think you're going to do it. Now, I'm not saying act like that or act like this. I'm not even asking you to go to an extreme. I'm asking you to evaluate yourself and say, do I tend to allow myself to age by default and just turn into a moping, complaining, draining, fault-finding mother, friend, colleague, boss, Christian? I got to tell you, it's, you already know this, but can I just say it over a mic out loud right now? In this season especially, where we've experienced such a troubled, troubled, polarized time, wouldn't it be great for the bunch, bunch of us in this room to walk out and just sprinkle on this part of, the, of Michigan fountains everywhere? Fountains as we interact with friends and neighbors and colleagues and team members and wives and husbands. We need fountains especially now. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I think the church, Big C, the church, Big C, missed it a little bit during the pandemic. We were so mad at the government for shutting things down, and I understand that. I didn't like not coming to church and worshiping. But let me tell you something. We missed our chance to do even more than we'd done before. The church I'm a part of in Atlanta did more church without meeting on Sunday, meeting virtually. We were serving the communities, giving food away, meeting socially distant, but doing stuff for other people, gave away more money. Had the world looked at us and we'd all been doing that, they may not have the opinion of the church that they have. 
I think too many people look at the church and say, well, there's a bunch of drains. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong, tell you you shouldn't be that way, shouldn't wear that, shouldn't have your hair looking like that. Shouldn't they be looking at the church and think, what a bunch of fountains, man, I, I want to be a part of that. And it doesn't, it's not even a thing we said maybe, it's just the way we carry ourselves. So, you may be thinking, okay, okay Tim, I get it. Um, is this just a motivational speech you're giving me on Sunday morning today? It's more than that. I hope it is motivating. But this is a truly New Testament idea. Everything I'm saying is New Testament. I'm just using my words. In fact, let's look at some scripture real quick before we wrap it up. I'm going to give you some practical steps to get into position to be a fountain. If you brought your Bibles, I want to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 7. John, chapter 7. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. I'm going to um, actually put this on the screen. But I would like to look at John chapter 7, and um, I want to specifically, I want to give you the context before we read the verse, because it's going to be powerful for you if you understand the context. So in John chapter 7, the, the writer John is writing about the life of Jesus on one particular weekend that was called the Festival of the, of the Tabernacles. So you know the Jewish customs were that they had several feasts every year, several festivals, okay? If, if I were to compare it to American culture, it would be our yearly state fair or uh, county fair or state, you know, whatever. But this was multiple days, this festival, the tabernacle, and on the final day of the festival, it was all about water. Just like my talk today, it's all about water. And on this day, the priest would be praying where all the people would gather, but the priest would start symbolically by taking a basin and going to the pool of Siloam. Remember about reading about the pool of Siloam? He'd gather some water from the pool of Siloam, walk it over, and he would pour out the water. And as he poured it out, it was symbolic prayer for water. They would pray to God for water for that next year, for their livestock, for their, their cat, you know, the, 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 the crops, for their lives. In fact, if they were going through a drought right then, the prayer would be very intense by all people. God, send us water. So Jesus and his disciples are here at this festival. On the last day, they watch everything happening. And I'm not sure if Jesus just sensed that the people were not feeling it that day. They were just going through the motions. Or if he just saw that they desperately needed real water that he had to offer. But on this water day, look at what he says to the people. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. By the way, have you ever noticed we don't picture Jesus yelling very often, do we? We picture him kind of meek and just preaching, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble. He's yelling. Our Savior is yelling. So he's feeling very strongly about this. Jesus said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink for whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That sounds like a fountain to me, doesn't it? Sound like a fountain to you? Now, he doesn't use the word fountain, but look at this. Will flow from within them. So you're not just going to feel the fountain. You're going to feel better. But he said, it's going to flow from you. You're going to be a fountain for other people. That was his whole design. You're a means to an end. Now, that, obviously, these people, I'm thinking, weren't feeling this. They weren't feeling like, boy, the waters are just flowing. This is awesome. And so he's crying out for them to experience this flow. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. 
just come to me. Stop trying to conjure up this Christian life on your own. Don't try to manufacture it in your own energy. You can't do it. Come to me and let this water, figuratively speaking, flow out of you. And then I love what's next. The very next verse, John decides to tell us exactly how this will work. He says in verse 39, but this living water, he spoke of the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So if that seems strange to you, let me unpack it in simple language. God's people, all through the pages of the Old Testament, all through the years and centuries of the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon people for certain seasons, like the Spirit of God came upon the prophet Elijah, or the Spirit of God came upon King David, or the Spirit of God came upon Moses, right? But the Holy Spirit couldn't live within people because they had not yet been forgiven of their sins. They sacrificed animals to get atonement for their sins, to cover the sin, but it wasn't taken away. Today, now that Jesus has been to the cross, we live in a period of history where we can ask God to forgive us when we say, Jesus, come into my life. He cleanses us. Now we're clean. We're not perfect, but we're clean on the inside. And the very Spirit of God can live inside of us, inside your human body. If you've invited God to do this, He comes in and actually resides within you. The problem is, for many of you, because you just didn't know, He's lived inside of you for years, but He's never flown out. He's never um, flowed out or spilled out like a fountain. So people wouldn't look at you and say, Well, you're a fountain. And we may continue in the same pattern like a drain because that's how we've been programmed to be from mom. So we have this opportunity where the Holy Spirit from within flows upward and outward, not downward and inward. Upward and outward, not downward and inward from us. Listen, this may be good news for you. The message of the gospel is not a new set of rules that we try to keep. It's a new source of power that we try to tap you see the difference? You're not trying. The Christian life is less about trying and more about letting. In fact, if you're like me, you've probably been through periods of your Christian life where you're really, 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 really trying hard to live the Christian life. And you just thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. And God would say, bingo, you're right. You can't, Bob or Nancy. I don't know why I'm picking up Bob and Nancy today. So if your name is Bob or Nancy, please forgive me. Um, he would say, let me stop trying now. In fact, the more you try, the more you're probably going to try to muster it up and manufacture it with your own human energy, and it'll be a fake faith. It'll be artificial fruit coming out of your life, not genuine fruit of the Spirit. So I don't know who you are. Male, I see males and females here. Males, that means we probably need to swallow our ego and say, God, I, I, I've got to have you do it through me. I, I, I can't. My whole brain, my whole pride and ego thing and the way my dad raised me, whatever, just doesn't let me do what you're describing. I believe it's possible, and I can believe you can get to the tail end of your life and be flowing at 85 or 89 or 90 years old. I've watched it happen. So let's get real practical. What's our part in all of this? Well, I think there's two ingredients that we need to assume, or, or, or there's two steps we need to take to get into position to let the Holy Spirit do this work, this fountain work that he wants to do. By the way, you may or may not know this, but um, in the Gospel of John, the book we just read, in chapter 4, 
uh, Jesus is speaking to a woman who happens to be getting water from a well. So since she's getting water, he brings up the water metaphor again. And you know what he says to her? She, he basically says, lady, <laughs> I don't know if he said lady, I don't know if you know who you're talking to. If you get water from this well, it'll quench your thirst today. You're going to be thirsty again tomorrow. If you drink from me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that interesting? He keeps bringing up this fountain concept. So it's not new. It is New Testament. So the two postures that we need, there it is, the two postures that we need to um, assume are humility and gratitude. Now let me explain why this is big. You've, you've heard these words before, but let me give you a very, very biblical sense to these words. Humility basically says, I see that I need help. I'm humble enough to say, I need help. By the way, when we're prideful, we don't take help. Well, I got my pride, you know. True? Gratitude says, I see what God has done, or I see what God is doing, and I'm grateful. Those two pieces tend to put you in position to let the Holy Spirit do His work. In fact, let me give you a scripture if you're interested. Humility, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. You know what it says? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. How? By casting all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. How do you humble yourself? Saying, God, I can't do this. I'm casting these anxieties on you. I'm going to need a bigger man than me. And that's what God is. Okay? So humility is an essential. You can't be self-sufficient and trust God fully. And I know that's not the American way. We pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get that thing done. I understand. You see my Georgia accent there? Get that thing done. Um, I understand that's the American spirit. And by the way, I love America. Nobody loves America more than me. But, but this, in this piece, it's contrary. We need to be in our heart of hearts, on our knees, and saying, God, I've got to have your spirit do this. I can't stand that colleague at work. I just can't. My spouse, oh my gosh. I loved him 25 years ago, not so much today, right? I mean, come on. So I'm just saying, that's what's needed. Now, gratitude is I'm basically focusing on what I have, not what I don't have. So, not hard to understand, but pretty hard to practice. So, um, I want to just real quick now jump to two quick lists. I know I'm giving you a bunch of lists. I want to go to two quick lists that are just super, super practical, and then I want to pray that we make some decisions that maybe are right for our lives, okay? All right, so first, let me talk very briefly about some symptoms of fountain people. As I look at the Scripture, I see some specific symptoms or signals that someone has done what I've just described. They're fountain people. They're not... Downward and inward, they're upward and outward. Not downward and inward, they're upward and outward, okay? So, number one, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, fountain people come to serve, not be served. Jesus said this. The way you know it is that you're always finding yourself thinking, if not saying, how can I help? How can I help? How can I serve? Instead of saying, who's, who's taking care of me? Okay? By the way, I'm going to stop right now and say this. The decision my wife and I made at the beginning of the pandemic, it was probably Mar a year ago, March. We could see what was happening across the world, not just the country. And we could see this was going to cause people to go south. 
mentally, attitudinally, physically. So we struggled with our health, didn't we? We struggled with the economy, with commerce. We struggled with our anxieties. I don't know if you know this, but in August of 2020, one out of four young adults contemplated suicide. One out of four. Not one out of a hundred, one out of four. It was an awful time. So the decision we made, I'll make this brief, but I just want you to hear it. The decision we made was we were going to um, watch 30 minutes of news every day, not eight hours of news. Can I get an amen from the choir? We don't need eight hours of news. It's clickbait. They just want to make it awful so you keep tuning in and see the commercials and they can fund the network. It's exactly what it is, folks. So, I know that sounds terrible. I live in Atlanta, the headquarters of CNN. Yes, I do, okay? But all I'm saying is you can get what you need in 30 minutes and then you can get on with your life where you can flow rather than consume and go, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, inward, downward, inward, downward, inward, downward. It's almost like what we're prodded to do. So we made that decision, watch 30 minutes of news, not eight hours a day of news. Number two, we were always thinking, how can we serve our neighbors? We'll have to be six feet apart, but we were taking food to our neighbors, cooking to our neighbors, and we're not really great cooks or bakers, but we we're trying to do whatever we could to keep us, not just them served, but keep us in the right frame of mind. And then for each other, my wife and I would decide, at the end of the day, we would just look for clues from each other. Had either one of us had a draining day? And if we had, the other one would just step into fountain mode. Not plastic, artificial, cheesy, corny, but how can I listen to you? How can I hear you? How can I encourage you? I'm telling you, it was great to have a partner who'd made this decision with me and I with her that we're, just, we're gonna do this fountain thing. And we were constantly praying, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do this work in us. This is a earthen vessel that's got a bunch of cracks in it and things wrong with it, but do the flowing that you want to do. Number two, the second symptom, fountain people lose their life in order to find it. Jesus talked about this in Luke 17. So you're not so worried about survival. Literally, I mean this. You're not over, you're not um, consumed with just surviving. That was never God's mind. In fact, you get out of that consumption and you'll probably survive better. You'll probably do better. So, you, you actually find your life when you, when you surrender it. I don't know if you come to a point of surrender, not just saying, Jesus, take me to heaven, but saying, Jesus, I completely surrender my life into your control. That's a tough one, but he does a better job than we do at leading our lives. The third symptom is fountain people cherish struggles due to what they achieve. So remember in James chapter 1, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into trials, knowing that the testing of faith produces patience. So he's reminding us there's silver linings, there's silver linings. And so you can actually authentically cherish the struggle that you're in. And it's not made up. You're not, people are not going, you're not, in, you're in denial. You're just in denial. They're not saying that. You're going, how do you keep that perspective? Well, I see what's coming. And then... Fountain people are humble, yet are eventually lifted up. So remember, we just talked about that. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, casting all your cares upon him, and he will lift you up. It's powerful. And then lastly, fountain people go last and end up being first. Matthew 20, 16. Fountain people end up go last. They say, let others go. They're obviously in a hurry on the freeway. 
They're obviously in a hurry in the line at the airport in Detroit. They're obviously in a hurry. Do you not see this? Now, they're not criminals. They're just uh, maybe in a draining moment. That's what they're in. And what we need are fountains who have the supernatural energy from the Spirit of God to be a fountain all day, every day. You're not in denial. This is a tough time. These are draining times. All the more reason we need fountains. So you say, Tim, how do we do it? Well, let me take two minutes real quick and just give you some very, very practical, simple steps. They're in your notes. Let's do them. The first one is very important, although it's going to seem counterintuitive. Make self-care a means to an end. Now, I don't know if you're hearing this term self-care a lot. It's spreading across the country and the world like crazy. And I'm glad it is because we need to take care of ourselves. Would you agree? You got to take care of yourself. To put the oxygen mask on first before you try to help somebody else on the airplane, right? You all get that, don't you? The problem is it's so in vogue right now. For, for some people, they've made self-care an end. Okay, I feel better. I feel better about myself. I feel better about myself. I really do. Okay? And I'm saying, I'm glad you feel better about yourself. But you know what? You're better now and healthy now to take care of others. You're not an end in yourself. In fact, the smallest package is a person wrapped up in themselves. True? I get healthy and well so I can look outward and say, now how can I, how can I help somebody else that's not yet got this? I know you believe this, but do you need to hear it again? I do. So take care of yourself, but it's a means to an end. You should be a part of something bigger than yourself. Okay. Number two, the second step I'd take is commit to adding value to others. Now, let me get really specific. I challenge you to do something I've done for the last six years. Whenever I'm out and about, which is about every day, doing whatever I'm doing in my work, okay? I'm at the gas station, I'm at the grocery store, I'm picking up dry cleaning, making a deposit at the bank. If I have five minutes or more to interact with a person, I want to do or say something that adds value to that person. Now, it may not be brilliant. I'm not Albert Einstein. In fact, it may be I just listen to that person because I can tell they need to talk right now. They need to vent and they need someone to listen to them for five minutes. It may be um, I recommend a great article that I just read or a book I just read. That's exactly what they need. I might put them in touch with somebody that they really ought to meet, and I know that person. It might be just a word of encouragement to that bank teller that really needs it that day. But I have, I, when I get in this mode, I'm just a better person. I'm just a better guy. So I'm not out just doing my business, just trying to get this thing done. Out, inward, downward, inward, downward, inward, downward. I'm hoping I'm flowing, and that's a way. This keeps, you, this keeps you emotionally healthy. This keeps you generous. Number three, look for silver linings. I mentioned this earlier. My mother taught me to do this as a child. She trained me to do it for myself as an adult, and I trained my adult children as they were growing up to do the same thing. You're not in denial that there are dark clouds. There are dark clouds. If you're taking notes, that's D-A-R-K-C-L-O-U-D-S. There are dark clouds. But would you not agree in almost every dark cloud, there's something you can spot and go, oh my gosh, that would have never happened had we not. All right, this keeps you positive. Two more, live with the end in mind. This is always just good advice. Keep perspective, live with the end in mind. And by the way, if you're a follower of Christ, the end is a very good chapter. Would you not agree? 
Okay, if you read the back of the book, it's a great final chapter, all right? So I'm just saying, shouldn't we of all people be fountains? Even if today's bad, eternity's not bad. Don't forget that as you do your between Sundays life. And then lastly, focus on what you have, not what you don't. I said this earlier. I feel like I'm talking to my children, but can you be my children for just a minute? I know you don't have everything you dreamed of when you were 18 or 22. I know it. But look at what you've got. And then travel to Bangladesh or Mumbai, India. Oh, my gosh. You come back wanting to kiss the ground of America right now. So I'm just saying, keep this focus. Everything I've just challenged you to do can be done by men or women, single or married, and get this, old or young. I heard a great story. I want to close with this. Uh, during this pandemic, in fact, last February, school was closing out the spring semester in a few months. But you know, every February, Valentine's Day happens. And Audrey, who was seven years old at the time, was in second grade, and the teachers had just said to their class, because of COVID, we're not going to do exchange of Valentine's cards. We just want to keep the germs down. But Audrey had made up her mind, I want to wish all of my friends in my class a happy Valentine's Day. So 27 Valentine's, everybody was her friend in the class, 27 Valentine's cards. I mean, she worked for days. And her mother kept getting troubled by it because she thought, oh my gosh, the teacher's already said we're not doing this. She's going to give cards away. Nobody's going to give one back. My daughter's heart is going to be crushed. Audrey's got a sensitive heart, her mother thought. She's going to be crushed. So on the day of, she said, now, Audrey, you just need to know. Other kids have been told not to do this. Don't, you, may not, you, may not, you may not get anything back. And Audrey said, I know, but I think I will. So Audrey gets on the bus with her big backpack that's almost as big as she is and uh, has her school day. And mom's just back at home thinking, oh, Lord, help her. <laughs> I'm going to get some cookies ready, you know. When Audrey, at the end of the day, comes back, she gets off the bus. She's walking toward the house, and mother can hear her mumbling to herself, not one, not one, not one. And, of course, mom's thinking, oh, my gosh. This is terrible. This is exactly what I thought was going to happen. And so when she said, sweetheart, how was the day? Audrey said, mom, it was great. I didn't forget. One person. Sounds like a fountain to me. How about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I think the first thing I need to say is forgive us when we just get caught up in ourselves and our own survival. It's easy to do, Lord. You know the times we're in. So please forgive us for being drains and for being draining to other people. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know how we influence but God, right now, I'm just asking that you would bring this simple truth back to remembrance. All through the week, Lord, just keep reminding us to flow upward and outward. Help us to be fountains for other people, even if they don't know what to call us. Do this work, God. We know that you, you want your people to be living this way, especially in this time. Our world needs it. Now, with your heads bowed, I want to pray one more quick prayer.
If you're here and you would say, Tim, I don't even know if I've ever made that first step. Like, I don't know if I've ever really invited Jesus Christ to take over my life. And for the Holy Spirit, I don't even know the Holy Spirit. How to, how to flow, I don't know how to do that. I would love to pray right now a beginning prayer. And if this expresses the desire of your heart, I want you just to quietly pray it as you're seated there in your seat. Dear God, I do want this life that we talked about today. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross and dying on that cross for my sin. Lord, come into my life now. Take over. And now, God, make me a fountain. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, um, I want to encourage you to take a stab. If you'd like, you don't have to, but if you'd like, we'd love to follow up with you on the screen. You can, with your phone, just text Northridge 31616 and just say, I made a spiritual decision today. we just love to follow up and encourage you if we can. You guys are great. I love hanging out with you. Have a great week. God bless. <laughs>